You know the really fun thing um, about doing this podcast is a lot of times um, when people give you feedback, you end up just learning things and just like, oh, wait, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Like um, after our recently concluded podcast um, on mental health, if you haven't checked it out, please go and do that. Um, anchor.fm for slash I am um, Check that out. Um, Maria and I just shared about struggles um, that we went through at different points in our lives. Um, and uh, someone shared something quite insightful. Hi. <laughs> uh, thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast. Uh, so after our last episode, I got a lot of feedback in my DMs that I know I am not mandated to share here. People are just sharing um, their experiences with mental health, the things they've had to go through. And it felt good to talk about relatable stuff. Find your kin. <laughs> no, but then there's something uh, Ketcho said uh, from what I shared. She says, Rachel is your lived experienced expert. So what we are trying to explore more in the Global Mental Health Peer Network is to advocate for lived experienced experts to be recognized as mental health experts, thus reducing the cost of professional fees. So these lived experienced experts are people you know who have gone through what you've gone through who, after you've shared your experiences, will give you the assurance that if you do A, B, C, D, and D, A, B, C, D, and E, you will, <laughs> you will be well. Like, it's, it's okay, it's bad, it's happened, but you'll be fine. I've been where you are. Um, they, they assure you that they've been where you are, and uh, um, either this is how they got through it, or just maybe... Um, that it does, it does get better. It does fade after a period and what, of time. What for me this says is, many times you may not get a chance to have a sit down with Rachel, but if Rachel shares her experience, I don't know, you might stumble onto it on the internet, and even without talking to her, you will achieve the same thing. So maybe we need to share our stories more. Yeah. And I've always thought that, uh, I mean, in as much as we are seeking to become more individualistic and um, become a lot more closed off, um, I think when it comes to mental health, the power of community in, 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 again, it might be an internet community, it might be, you know, a group of friends and stuff like that, um, it actually does help um, in a sense, all right, but Go listen to that podcast. You can still leave your thoughts. You can still leave a voice note. Um, we look forward to hear your thoughts on that. Welcome to another Chirandom podcast. Random musings from me, Dowdy. Handling everything from politics of the day to the complexities of parenting, relationships, money, and everything in between. If it can happen to us in this life, however random, we talk about it here on another Chirandom podcast. Welcome to another Chirandom podcast. Uh, <laughs> I am Gus Daudi. 
with the intern. <laughs> That's why you were having that kind of laugh. I'm like, what, what's funny? Why are you laughing? <laughs> uh, hope you, hopefully you're enjoying yourself and uh, having a good week. Um, and, you know, you're around people that love you or, you know, at the very least tolerate you. <laughs> As opposed to what? I don't know. You can be there in your in, in, in your situation. Like people can just not can't just wait for you to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. But also, you said love you and tolerate you. If they don't tolerate you, what are they doing? I don't know. I mean, we're living in a world that does at at at, at some point does not um, place very highly tolerance. Yeah? They're just like. Mm-mm. You know, self-love, self-care, don't tolerate kubi. You know, anyway, that's what we're talking about. Sabulat again. <laughs> but anyway, over the weekend, um, we got visited uh, by some older friends. <laughs> the people at David always asks, wonders how I know. Right. Uh, friends were 50 plus. Maria has a spectrum of friends that's rather interesting. But anyhow, we got visited by some older friends. And somehow we found ourselves in a conversation around certain random things that, uh, you know, people do culturally. Um, And we started to sort of hypothesize on possibly why those things were there. For example, um, I don't know if we've had the conversation on the podcast. Maybe not. Um, what? But the question of buko, for example, you know why you can't, uh, you know, shake your mother-in-law's hand, why, why your all your uh, mother-in uh, mother-in-law's family, sisters, blah blah blah, greet you from forty-two meters away, like you have a disease, um, <laughs> and and the idea is basically they don't want to catch you a buko. All right, now it is said that the origin of this story is, um, um, of course, you know, in those days, uh, people married young. Um, so, you know, you get married 16, you have your children, you know, then you're 35, 38. Um, and, in, and your grandparents. In your prime, exactly. Um, and you're just out there, you know, giving away your daughter. But uh, the man is looking uh, also at you. You know, and um, people are very careful not to put themselves into situations um, where uh, sons-in-law or, you know, mothers-in-law could be tempted to engage uh, in kufabakura.com <laughs> <laughs> with one another. And oh, so they, wow. they created um, they created this buko thing that, you know, if you uh, have certain intimate connections with your um mother-in-law or with your son-in-law so you hug you do this you do that um or if the father-in-law has certain connections with uh you know uh, the daughter-in-law um you know it it might lead to which came with its own thing so they built um this legend around it um and it was very interesting experiencing that because look i come from a, a family that never really spoke about those things. Um, yeah, my dad for a really long time just never entered any of his children's houses. 
Um, when he'd come to see you, he would stay outside. And there was a reason for that. Um, but it never, I never really took it to mind until, you know, Maria and I decided to take our relationship seriously. And now we have to, uh, you know, start meeting family members. Um, and then, you know, this random day, we are driving from somewhere. I'm in my shorts. And then, you know, Maria decides, oh, no, you know, mom's place is on the way. Let's pass by. And then when we realize, uh, when, when we reach there, I start to realize Maria is panicking that I'm in shorts. And me, I'm just like, what's up, one? What's going on? <laughs> right? And then they had to educate me on this entire disease called Vuko that, uh, you know, you can catch, which was interesting. That you can give your mother-in-law. Your mother, I know, is not supposed to see you on Tombwe. Like your calf, your... your... Why are we singing? <laughs> yeah. Your mother, I know, is not supposed to see your... What is it called in English? Calf. Calf is the lower part. This no, isn't a Tombwe calf muscle? Anyway. The lower part is the ankle. Yeah, just above it. So all of it, that whole club is, is a calf. <laughs> so yeah, um, the funny thing is, my mother is a Mnyaranda. And I don't know what the practice is in Rwanda. However, we grew up in Buganda. And let me tell you, I am more Muganda than any Muganda I will ever meet. Because, and, and it was a thing of adaptability. When you are a nomad in the early, um, okay, not when you're a nomad generally, but also in the early 90s, genocide time and stuff, it was uh, not prestigious to be identified as a Mnyaranda. So my mother did everything within her means to make sure we adapted, and we adapted in every way, in language, in culture, in, I can read Luganda, I can I can tell you Engero Nebisoko, like properly, um, in practices. So this is where this whole thing comes from. In her culture, they hug. In fact, those people are known for the cousins, the lines are sometimes blood. Mm-hmm. But because we are in Buganda and have been brought up in Buganda. There was assimilation. The, yeah, we assimilated. Yeah. And so everything she will tell you about Boko is what the Baganda say. Yeah. And and with with these visitors who came to see us, we, we went down a rabbit trail um, around a couple of those things. Um, you know, for example, apparently, um, you know, you can't pee at your mother-in-law's house. <laughs> Actually, on your mother-in-law's village. village. <laughs> um, and, and we said it hypo. And we said, fine, you know, maybe number one, um, um, they were just trying to limit how long people stayed. Um, so it made it, I mean, at one point, after like two, three hours, uh, you, you've drunk, you, you've you eaten. You will need to take a short call and that's your cue. And that's to your cue to, to leave, exactly. But also because of um, the way villages worked at the time, right? So everyone in that village had was basically your saying. No, no, no. The, 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 the logic might be so you don't overstay. The no, explanation is not as in uh, uh, on the on, listen, uh, uh-huh. The explanation is 
your mother-in-law should not imagine you taking a leak. Yeah. Like that involves you holding your member and no, she should not have to imagine you. So if you t- if you tell if you say you need to go to the toilet, inevitably they're going to imagine you in that act. Yeah. But but your and mother-in-law so, was not just the person who gave birth. Your mother-in-law was everyone of your mother's clan. Yes. Was everyone of your mother's clan and they usually lived like on the same village. That's why you had so, to go to the next. That's why you couldn't <laughs> even go to the neighbors. Because even those ones were probably your mother-in-law too. Yes. Right. And so things like that, uh, you can't you can't take Biringanya, Ogbejin. What's its name? What is its name? English name. <laughs> oh, I don't know. No. So you can't take carrots. You can't take Biringanya. What? To vi- yeah, to to visit your in-laws. Because they incite imagination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because they incite imagination. <laughs> that one I did not know. That one I did not know. Yeah, oh. so you, you can't take that. But also, you um, in those days, the means of transport would... The rich in-law is on who had a bicycle. You could not get onto your bicycle in, in, the pres- like in that compound or even on that village. Again, same explanation like before. So you'd push your bicycle until you you were sure you were in a safe distance, then you could be able to climb it. Because climbing your bicycle involves you putting your legs apart. You're supposed to hold yourself in like together when you're at your in-laws <laughs> place. Anyhow, um <laughs> don't take cucumber. Yeah, no, 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 no. You can't take cucumber to the in-laws, guys, please. <laughs> you know, sometimes you wonder about this. Is again now you see that one, so it was interesting uh, because it's making sense to me now. But when we're doing our introduction, mm. right? Um, there's a lady who was helping me shop uh, for these things, and she kept, you know, like how you have fruit baskets mm. and vegetable baskets, right? And she keeps if you totally come, and it, it, it really just never made sense to me why. But I was just like, you know what? She knows what she's doing. I am not going to argue with her, because for me, it just makes sense that I mean, people like carrots. <laughs> <laughs> now, katindava. <laughs> but anyway, um, we started talking about how a lot of these things had what seemed like sensible reasons right and we started to try to examine whether there is a relevance in passing these things on to the new generation um because it seemed like um at least a lot of the kids are growing up the way i grew up right um, you, as a, some a friend of mine likes to say, you're a Kampalan. Yeah, you're just, you're, you're yeah, I was a Jinjan. Yeah? You're, you're, you're not very rooted in the culture of the time and all these, do these things fall under Bulomborom? I don't what? think so. The culture, generally. So, like, what, is the, what is the term for them? Norms. Yes. So you're not, you're not rooted in all these norms. 
um but and our children missing out on certain important lessons um because we are choosing for a lot of times like actually it's throwing out the baby with the bathwater because we're just like uh either culture was um oppressive or it's not progressive and therefore we're just like you know we do all with all these things you see the, the the sad thing is that our parents know but no one has told us but then we are expected to know because no one had explained to me that um in-laws are not supposed to go home in shorts how was i supposed to know it's after we show up and they're like no 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 you can't do that why can't we do that why isn't anyone telling us what we should and should not do but isn't is it important or should your parents it, just be like mwe de koibo for you for your eyes not no it is important it is important because a lot of those things led to harmonious living for example if that that thing of you don't take a leak at your in-laws you didn't overstay your welcome you came brought what you had to bring did what you had to do and left in time to leave the old people to to go about their lives um as i had a story recently of a young boy i think is were campuses or something so this boy makes his girlfriend pregnant and uh she has the baby of course her mother goes to hospital to help her nurse her and uh when they are discharged the boy comes with them home they all think as as is the tradition for a lot of people when the first couple of days or first week you go to your mother's house yeah so the mother thinks on that first day or oh, he's just escorting us home and that's it but then the boy didn't leave he didn't leave that day he didn't leave the next day he didn't leave in a week's time he's living at his in-laws place first of all you've not married this woman's daughter then you're living in her house like is there anything between your ears or just porridge do you think must you be told or maybe you must be told i don't know because then it took an intervention as a first <laughs> as a mother in law when culturally when you're referring or when you're talking to your son in law you usually kneel as a sign of respect now imagine kneeling for someone who is living in your house who you're feeding who is not like i don't know so it took the intervention of someone else to come and say so like what's your why are you here what's your plan and they said no i want to spend i wanted to help with the baby the logical thing to do you go with your baby mama rent a room and help with your baby you don't go to your in-laws to help with your baby so i feel like that should come naturally to you as a person it's common sense but if it isn't then the conversation has to continue to be had so you you imagine if there had been some form of cultural education for yes, this boy yes first of all for him to know that you do not look your mother in law you do not interlock Don't... eyes with your mother in law you can't live in the same space okay so so look i understand the rationale for a lot of these norms right again for example in the past you know your mother in law was 35 when you were 15 have you seen how boys of today revere old women older women mm-hmm. the older the better the more money the better 
lazy bones. So this that you're saying about age, no. So 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 it's it's all right. And and so are you because now the world seems to be moving in a different direction and there has to be an intentionality of teaching our children about these things. But um with a lot of these l- norms there are also a lot of things that we do not want to pass on because um you know we've discovered with knowledge now um you know they are harmful because um if if you just leave the whole box in then um you know these are the same it's in the same you know box where you uh, have conversations around things like pooling for example or female genital mutilation or it's it's out of the same box so how do you as a parent now who is trying to have these things person to your child the norms and the culture and the traditions be able to package i think first first of all pass on the knowledge yeah then um opine yeah you can tell them what you think of the different things i don't think fgm is right but it's a thing that happens in our culture we do it i don't think it should it has space in the modern world because of yeah all of the disadvantages and also we need to train children in things like decision making and critical thinking such that even when i tell you something that's in our culture based on your decision making skills or critical thinking you're able to know that ah uh-uh, this one we are taking this one we are throwing away because there are some things that i might find okay for example even like with all my training i might think chogero is fine and my son is just like what are you a mad woman what's that my mother thinks begumba is an actual thing i will never <laughs> understand what it is so but it's because i have been trained not to take whatever i am told but i like to get the information and i see how to sieve through it we still need to let people know what's acceptable and what's not and with intermarriage comes a lot of things when my uh, sister was getting married my my sister is a nyankole so and her husband is a muganda his father bought him a book uh, about the cultures and practices of the ankole the first time he told his dad that he was getting married to a chick who was a nyankole he, he said okay are you sure then he went bought him the book told him go read this book come come back and we have a conversation after that so you're not entering something blindly first of all love is a grave mental illness you must know exactly what you getting yourself into their cultures that eat their first bones i have never approved i don't know if that's true <laughs> so if that's where you're getting married where do these people stand on that spectrum are you going to find out when they're taking your baby yeah because we kept you that's not for, uh, that's a, a, a very good example because we know that that's not something you want to propagate and continue but if you don't know you'll find out when they've come for your boy Oh girl like when they've come for your child to take them to eat mm. them I don't even know if that's a real thing I doubt it is I, but I don't I don't I, I don't think it's a real thing but you know you can never say never <laughs> in this world in this world of ours <laughs> So so yes we must pass on the information and 
Sadly, as, as I say this, I don't think Elijah knows any of this stuff about his culture. But he must learn. He must hear of it and think through it and know then what to do with it. Is it important in this modern era? What in is the... modern about the era when you're spending a week in your mother-in-law's house? Hey, that is what's modern. <laughs> it is you've you've evolved beyond these petty things. You are better human beings, um, and and therefore you can you know coexist without all this nonsense. Um, in quotes, um, because you know a lot of people again are going to argue that. Um, maybe this stuff with with we are becoming sort of cultureless communities or we are developing brand new cultures um and that are more universal or that are more akin to the times right and therefore um these cultural things really we should read about them in the museum and understand that they're just <laughs> no we are looking at them there and and they have no place in the modern world no 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 i i totally disagree tell girls that in buganda when you're greeting an elder you kneel however <laughs> you you're looking to be crucified on the internet aren't you no no i'm not but you, but you know you know how the conversation are. <laughs> uh, uh, listen that's the culture culturally we kneel However, this is what kneeling has done to girls. They, because girls, whenever you don't look, you're, you're I don't know, the English has refused, it's not Englishing. Makes they, they, they encourage a timidity. Yeah, you're supposed to be soft spoken, you don't look people straight in the eye. So you, there's that picture of a girl kneeling, playing with this, the grass around her, look, looking the other way. Looking the other way as she greets a big man, an older man. And this is what has led to many men taking advantage of these girls. You can't speak up to authority. You can't say no. Yeah? So we kneel. But if this is what it does for you, let's throw it out. Stand up respectfully and express yourself. Look up to this, look at this person and tell them, we can't lose exactly where we are coming from. What we are adding is our opinions of what we think these things are and how they are affecting us. And if your daughter doesn't think it's affecting them that way and they want to continue kneeling, it should be okay. Does, is, should your daughter kneel when she's greeting people? I don't know. That's her decision. If you don't tell her that some people kneel, how will she make that decision? Like, you need information to make the decision. She's just going to go somewhere and they're going to look at her like, eh, eh? what's wrong with this woman? She's an alien. Everyone here kneels. She'll be greeting the Kabaka. She'll, she'll shake the Kabaka's hand while standing, and the <laughs> internet will go. <laughs> ah, you people. Um, yeah. So you have to let her know of those norms, such that then she can decide if she wants to kneel or not. But sometimes, you know, and and I think we undermine how um, indoctrinating culture can be. Right, and you were talking about it earlier that sometimes um, you imagine that um, after people have gotten all this information, they will be able to make nice, logical, educated decisions um, because you know they're exposed to better options out there. Um, 
and then you find that those people who you had hope in he is exposed to this and what are upholding the very harmful aspects of this tradition because um, again it just comes down to some sort of indoctrination right um, so there is look I want my daughter to know where she comes from right um but the constant struggle for me um is really when not not whether but when do you start when is it not too late to start saying look there is this and this and this that you know you need to be able to understand uh, so that they can have an appreciation for it. Um, but if you do it too early also, you can create um, some sort of like dogmatic imprint that just makes them follow these things blindly. So how do you weigh the balance of saying, when do I give this person this potentially harmful information? It's like every, every, all things parenting. You always have to give, they tell you, age-appropriate, over uh, contextual information, like small doses of this stuff. If Mila was in the village, she would be kneeling to greet everyone she finds right now because that's what happens. Now she's just there saying, hi, Jaja. <laughs> and, and is that okay? I don't know. Is that fine that she says, hi, Jaja? Uh, in our house, I don't think this is a problem. I don't know about your Jaja. <laughs> <laughs> no, even your Jaja. Because the other day we were trying to teach her to say all your tea. I mean, yeah, speaking the language, um, I the mean, it's different. The language comes with things. Not necessarily. Oh, yes, it does. I mean, just because I speak English, I, it doesn't mean I know all these things. This is why you're trying to behave like the English which can help you rule people uh, and, and can dim I understand that. But it it hasn't necessarily meant that we're trying to be English just by virtue of the time that we speak the language, right? So, yes, uh, language can contribute to an understanding and maybe a context of those norms. But I think they are taught they're like two different classes. Eh? There's Olive One Day. No, if, if we don't take a keen interest in our culture, we'll be rootless people. We'll not be grounded. We'll not know where we come from. And this is why many people suffer an existential crisis later in life. You're a Kampalan. You can speak good English. You can trace your roots to, I don't know, wherever in Kampala. And when you go back home, you don't fit, you don't belong. You can't even make sense of the things they are doing. Isn't having your roots in your father's house enough? No. Because, you have to go back to ancestors. Yeah, you have to go back to ancestors. And I'll tell you why. Recently, as I sat down with your father and he told me that um, men in Samia don't eat the head of the, of the fish. Yeah, because we are like and really loving men who just pass no, it on. No, let's see. Anyway, and I was in so much shock because where I come from, 
the head of the fish and the gizzard are spared for the head of the house. So you are saying you're rooted in your father's house. It's not enough because you don't know that information. And he thinks that it's important that I know. Also, it's important that I know because for three years we've been suffering, asking you to eat the head, and you just never. Now we know why. I didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> exactly my point. You didn't know why. If this information had been passed down to you, you would have told us on the first attempt that, you know what, in my culture... We don't do this. Are you but, making the so, assumption that I didn't eat the head because I never saw my father eat the head? Isn't that the truth? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Actually, I don't think, think it so. is. I think you didn't eat the head because you didn't see your father eat the head. Also, you had never eaten that. So you have no... Eh, this sounds so wrong, but anyway. You are you're the head of the fish. So you... <laughs> that sounds worse. So you. So you have no experience or reference. Like when you check the files in your head of how do they do this, it's not there. Mm. And there is a cultural reason for it that you didn't know. So being rooted in your father's house is not enough. When we go to bury and they want to cut off all the orphans hair or the widow must tie something around their waist, we have no idea what's going on. So even if it's just to be able to, um, with authority, say, no, you're not doing that because I have an understanding of where it comes from and it's not something I subscribe to. Exactly. Um, it is important that we learn. And I think from that I angle... I don't think there's useless knowledge in this world. You know. You must know. Then you choose what to do with that information. When they tell you, no, we're going to cut off your children, say, like, eh, eh. no, you're not. For example, when my father died, I was eight months pregnant. And when I was going to bury, some women tried to stop me because they said pregnant women don't bury. I was hearing about it the first time. If someone had told me, because, you know, when someone, you don't, we don't bury the day the person dies. Mm. As eight months pregnant, it was visible. It could be seen. If someone had told me that, by the way, you might experience this. Someone might come and tell you. In our culture, pregnant women don't bury. I would have known how to handle almost boxed a woman. Because she was telling me, no, 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 no. In fact, they were holding me because pregnant women are not supposed to bury. And I told them, you know, leave me alone. My father is not going to die again and I come to bury him. You are going to affect a child. I said, I'll, I'll make another. I will not have another father. But I was totally not prepared for that confrontation. So I just, we have to know. Yeah. In fact, we don't know everything. The people who know, please tell us. What do we need to know? So we see what to do with that information. All right. And maybe, you know, we might find that uh, some of the arguments we are making are out of uh, ignorance. Exactly. We are not all knowing. We might be ignorant. All right. Let us know what you think. Um, Please just drop us a message at I am good to Daudi on Twitter at uh, uh, Matama M Matama on Twitter, or drop a, a voice note at anchor.fm forward slash I am good Daudi. Especially if you're raising kids, um, are you intentionally um, exposing them to all these norms in their culture? Um, 
even if it's just for the purpose of them understanding what they are saying no to. Till next time, goodbye. God bless you. Have a fabulous, fabulous week. And uh, yeah, uh, don't stay at people's houses. Don't don't <laughs> pee at your in-laws' house. <laughs> no when to leave. <laughs> Another Chirandom podcast. Random musings from me, Dowdy. Handling everything from politics of the day to the complexities of parenting, relationships, money, and everything in between. If it can happen to us in this life, however random, we talk about it here on another Chirandom podcast.